I wonder what your instinct is when you feel stuck with a problem. Um, I get hyperactive. So when I feel stuck with a problem, like I'm, I'm unsure how to communicate what I'm feeling in a situation, maybe, or I, um, I am writing and rewriting like an email to somebody. Oh yeah, do you need this? There you go. There we go. Um, or I'm overwhelmed by a work project, or I'm, I'm anxious about a financial burden that I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to cover. When I am in those situations, I go hyperactive, and I can just cook that problem just like for hours. It's just cooking and cooking, and the veggies are mushy, and the meat is tough because it's just, I'm just cooking that problem. I'm going to figure this out. I'm gonna keep it on that burner. And of course, I just go from stuck to more stuck. This is my reaction when I have a problem. I still don't know what to say or write or how to express myself. I'm going over the same ground again and again. It's the last thing I'm thinking about when I go to sleep, the first thing I'm thinking about when I wake up in the morning, and I am no closer to a creative solution. I also have found that when this is happening in the middle of the day, I forget to eat lunch. Does anyone do this? They won't forget to, like, you just suddenly, you know, you're so stressed and you look at, like, you realize it's 2 p.m. You're like, God, what was, I, what was I doing? I forgot to eat lunch. And so now I'm not only not further along in addressing the problem, I'm hangry, right? It's just bad. It's a bad, bad situation. Sometimes when I'm in that place, I finally give up spinning my wheels and I decide to take a walk. And the walk usually starts with, buying coffee or a donut, because why would you get lunch, even though you're hungry, when you can get an immediate sugar and caffeine high, right? Why, why, why would you do that? So I go and coffee. But eventually as I'm walking, uh, it usually turns into a prayer for me, and it's something like, God, I'm just spinning my wheels, I'm getting nowhere, I need a break, I feel exhausted, like what do I do, what have I been missing? I, why do I feel exhausted? I've been sitting in an office chair usually for the whole time. You see me right, God, what, what am I missing? Why can't I figure this out? And prayers, prayers often can start with like asking for um, magical answers that solve everything. I wonder if this is your prayer life too. Prayers often start with that, this kind of solve everything for, what is, what is the thing that I'm missing that will let, you know, unlock everything. It's like a, you're looking for some sort of magical solution. It's very normal, very normal for prayers to start that way. But then my impression, if I can stick with this, is usually as though God is saying to me, yes, I see you, Vince. Keep taking a walk with me. And so I do. I'll stick with it. And maybe... I get distracted by something I see or hear or smell on the walk, or maybe I spill coffee on myself and curse under my breath. <laughs> and maybe I'm just quiet for a little bit. And often in these kind of moments, as I'm quiet, as I'm just walking, suddenly it feels like something useful begins to emerge in my mind, seemingly of its own accord, like, I'm just observing. I'm not making anything happen like I was when I was cooking those veggies and that meat. Nothing is, nothing is coming out of my cleverness or my drivenness. The fog just clears in my mind, and I seem to know what to do, or, I, or the words fall into place that I need 
for that thing that I'm stuck in. It's never magical, it's never perfect, even though sometimes I began hoping that it would be, but what it feels like is wisdom. Wisdom can emerge, which is better than magical solutions. And this, these, this kind of experience for me, I've had it more than once, and I wonder if you're thinking of something maybe similar that's happened to you. I think of Jesus saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. It takes me powering off, stopping the constant pumping of the acceleration pedal, resisting looking for or insisting on a magical solution, and then, better than a magical solution, I have to figure out the formula to, wisdom emerges as a gift outside of me. It's like, it, it, it's, it's just, I'm just observing. It just sort of happened apart from me, and there it is. So at the end of July, uh, we took a personal inventory, those of us who were here uh, that Sunday, um, called Spiritual Pathways. I introduced it to us, which was meant to expand our imaginations of ways prayer can look. It involves doing a little inventory, and then the second half of the resource is a bunch of prayer suggestions based on how you experience that inventory. Um, I've, we've got a QR code up on the screen here. If you want to get it on our website, there's a, an adult's version and a kid's version or family's version. Uh, we recommend for kids at least 10 years old. There's also paper versions here in the theater. So in the center table, you can just grab a copy of Spiritual Pathways if you want to. And for our messages here in August, I'm building on a few of the prayer suggestions from the second half of that resource. Uh, based on, I, we sort of did an informal poll that day of, and I wanted to kind of go from my sense of prayer suggestions, ideas, practices that we can, that we can actually put into our lives and give a, give a chance to see how it works for us. Um, I wanted to try three of those over these Sundays in August that I thought would help a high percentage of folks. But the whole point of the Spiritual Pathways resource is like everybody kind of will naturally perceive God in a different way. And so maybe these three that we've talked about or that we'll, we will have talked about here in August work for you, and maybe not. That's cool. Uh, my hope is that one of these at least can be something you can try and keep in your tool belt. Uh, last week, we talked about acknowledging God in all things, like St. Francis. Uh, it, this was the necessity of prayer in the midst of daily life, so we don't succumb to an exhausting, flat, ordinariness in life, devoid of any sense of God breaking in. That was prayer in the midst of daily life. Today is the necessity of prayer that retreats from daily life, okay? Sort of the reverse direction. The same sort of goal, so we don't succumb to an exhausting, flat ordinariness, but coming at it from the opposite angle, not succumbing to a life where we endlessly spin our wheels or are looking for magical solutions, but coming to, we're sort of, maybe the way to think about it is last week was a zooming in practice to look closer at life. Those beautiful, captivating details of life that we might miss if we're just zooming through at the pace of usual modern life. This week is a zooming out so that we don't miss the forest for the trees. We are, we are busy, busy people, which demands that we keep going at all times. That's, that's the world we live in. 
we often don't get time to stop and reflect. So today is a zooming out to, to balance out what last week we talked about zooming in. The prayer practice I'm going to teach us is called Getting Behind the Waterfall. As you saw, the kids are making uh, a waterfall craft today. And essentially what it is, is what I described doing on this walk, but not as a last resort. <laughs> That's the difference. It's a lot like what I just described, but it is not doing it as a last resort. Uh, this is an example of what's called contemplative prayer. We practice this quite a bit as a church during our online-only season of the pandemic, so maybe this is building on some already formed foundation for you. If so, that's great. If you've heard me uh, preach on this very practice, that I, I hope it does not feel boring as a result of that, but it feels like a, a sort of circling back to something that, ah, yes, what a, what a nice um, well of uh, full of water for me once again. Uh, this one also, it, the other reason it might bear repetition, is that this is a, today's practice is a higher initial hurdle than last week's practice. Last week's practice is something we can just like jump right in. I think people can experience like immediate gratification from it, which is why it's a great prayer practice. Today's a little bit different. You may not get immediate gratification from practicing this one, but hey, we're not slaves to immediate gratification, right? We can, we can stick with this and, and try it. I think there's good things to get from this. Um, we, uh, one of the analogies that I've brought up as we've talked about prayer practices that, that take a little longer, that are not about immediate gratification, they're like brushing your teeth. That's the uh, analogy we use in this spiritual pathways resource. No dentist would say that brushing your teeth once gives you healthy teeth. But every dentist would say, brushing your teeth regularly gives you healthy teeth, right? So, so it is with contemplative prayer. All right. So the practice of getting behind the waterfall, this builds on teachings from contemplative masters as far back as the first century after Jesus, who were known as the Desert Mothers and the Desert Fathers, uh, all the way down to more contemporary teachers in the 20th century, names like Thomas Merton, who was a Trappist monk, maybe you've heard that name before, or Thich Nhat Hanh, who is the teacher, uh, the, probably who's done the most to bring getting behind the waterfall to a large uh, population, and does so outside of the Christian tradition. Thich Nhat Hanh uh, sadly passed away uh, just uh, in, in, in the last uh, two years. Uh, but here's the basic idea behind um, getting behind the waterfall. Life is like being under a waterfall. So let's imagine a waterfall. Oh, you can imagine it so well, right? Yes. Okay, life is like being underneath a waterfall. All of our experiences and our thoughts and our feelings are tumbling down on us. Oh my gosh, the water will not end. It just continually comes and continually comes. And so we are constantly in reactivity mode, reacting to that deluge of water tumbling down on us. Contemplative prayer is an attempt to get behind the waterfall. I like this image because it sort of shows us we're, we're, we're somewhere, we're not underneath it. We're somewhere behind the waterfall. We're looking at the waterfall. We Usually life is lived down right there where, that, where, where, where all the water is coming down in, in the, into the pool. But we are trying to get behind the waterfall, out of reactivity mode, where we can just observe all of the experiences and the thoughts and the feelings cascading down, rather than react to them. We don't judge them. We don't try to hold them back or avoid them, you know, like tiptoeing through between the raindrops. <laughs> We're just observing. And from such a posture, 
we can be non-reactive, we can be non-judgmental, and wisdom can emerge, as I mentioned. We're slowed down enough actually to spot wisdom. So that has a very mystical sound to it, right? Ooh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually pretty, um, it's quite practical though, what this looks like. So I'll give you a, a visual of um, this, the, uh, the instructions that people give for, uh, that like the Trappist monks will give for, uh, getting behind the waterfall, this kind of prayer. Let me put it up here for us. There we go. So um, what we do is we find a quiet space, is set a timer for somewhere between like five or 20 minutes. You imagine yourself in your mind's eye behind a waterfall, as we were just talking about. You imagine next to you the most loving, non-judgmental force in the universe, God. You can imagine God personified as Jesus sitting next to you like a person. You can imagine God more as a spirit, as, as, as felt with you but unseen. Both of those work really well, but God is right next to you, this non-judgmental loving force. And then you follow your breath to keep yourself still and quiet. In, out. Just as Teal was coaching us in the, uh, the, this morning. Following your breath, and that can help you keep still. And then, as thoughts and feelings you are observing distract you or send you down some tangent in your mind and you're suddenly thinking about your grocery list, or as, as like noises that are happening in the room around you distract you, what on earth was that in the alley, you know? You welcome the distractions rather than judge them. More on that in a minute, welcoming rather than judging. And then you just return to your breath and repeat. That is getting behind the waterfall. So the Trappist monks, like Thomas Merton, this name I mentioned, uh, they uh, suggested that uh, you strive to do this for 20 minutes at a time, twice a day. It's, uh, the Trappist monks are really interesting. They, they actually think 20 minutes, they called it the holy time. So 20 minutes is like super special, y'all. It's like the most spiritual length of time, okay? 20 minutes. Um, they, uh, I love this phrase. They would say, 20 minutes in the morning for sanity, 20 minutes in the afternoon or in the evening for transformation. Isn't that lovely? 20 minutes in the morning for sanity, 20 minutes in the evening for transformation. Now, in like, I, I've been practicing this sort of prayer consistently for five years, and I personally have never once been able to do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening, okay? So... You know, it's a high bar. It takes, it takes many, many years, I think, and decades probably to get to that point. I'm probably more sane, but I don't think I've transformed much, I guess. Uh, nice. My son liked that joke, at least. The rest of you thought it was a terrible dad joke. Um, uh, but seriously, I think any amount of devoted time is good. That, that, that's the, the, uh, it's nice to have something to shoot for, but any amount of time is good. Now, an important detail, what is meant by welcoming distractions rather than judging them? I told you I'd have more to say on that. The best way I've heard this demonstrated is uh, from a friend of mine uh, who's a counselor that taught me the simple phrase, uh, I've taught it here before at Brownland Church, so forgive me if this is review, but it's such a wonderful phrase to use in prayer. The phrase is, goes like this, of course. That's the phrase. It's, of course. So it goes like this. Of course I'm distracted by that garbage truck. It's freaking loud, right? Of course. Of course I just fell asleep for a minute while I was trying to pray. I'm tired. I was up all night studying, or I was up all night with my son and daughter. 
Of course I was just rehearsing what I want to say to that person. I'm mad at them, right? Of course I was distracted by that. Do you hear how kind that phrasing is to yourself? When you say things like, oh, of course, of course that's what I just did. Of course I was distracted in this way. Oh my God, I love it because it's not in the least self-critical or berating or like, oh my gosh, you're so bad at this. Like, there's none of that, right? You just say, oh, of course, of course, Vince. That's what you say to yourself. This is how we are to be welcoming of our distractions and not judgmental of them. And it's so useful because it cuts down on all the ways that uh, we, or maybe an uh, unhealthy religion we may have encountered in our lives, work ourselves into a lather about not being good enough or not being holy enough or fill in the blank. And it can cut down on all the ways that we, or unhealthy religion we may have encountered, make God out to be scandalized by very normal human thinkings and feelings. It's totally normal to be distracted. You can use this phrase in literally every way your mind waters, wanders. Of course, I'm thinking about that person I wish I was with because I'm single and I'm tired of it. You could do that, right? Of course, I'm thinking about my partner or spouse in a certain way. We haven't been together in a while. You can do that. God is not scandalized by our humanity, okay? God loves our humanity, a key scripture from the Bible that describes contemplative prayer would be from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Anyone heard that one before? Oh, it's a lovely, uh, I mean, if, it's one of those ones that I would say, like, if, there, if you know one scripture from the Bible, that would be one of the ones I might say. Be still and know that I am God. That's what we're doing with contemplative prayer, getting behind the waterfall. The methods uh, of common contemplative prayer practices that, um, that we might uh, teach today in contemporary culture, they evoke a lot of the ways we see Jesus pray throughout the Gospels. So I have some examples here. Jesus, in Matthew 14, uh, made the disciples get into the boat and precede him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. When it was evening, he was there alone, and only then rejoined his friends. Or in Mark chapter 1, rising very early before dawn, Jesus left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. What did prayer look like? I think it looks a lot like getting behind the waterfall. That's what Jesus is doing in this. Or from Luke 5, the report about Jesus spread all the more, and great crowds were assembling to listen to him and to be cured of their ailments, but he would withdraw to deserted places to pray. He would, do, he would be there. He would be there in daily life, looking for what God is doing, like we talked about last week, zooming in, but he would also zoom out. He would have to retreat from daily life from time to time. These are all examples of Jesus in contemplative prayer or meditation, getting behind the waterfall, as we would say. So as my experience can testify to that I mentioned before, it can work to have uh, behind-the-waterfall experiences that are powerful after having spun your wheels to the point of forgetting to eat lunch. <laughs> uh, that can work. It happens. But it leaves a lot up to chance when we do that. So that is not what I'm recommending. If we're relying on this practice as a reaction to times of high distress, there is no guarantee 
that we'll be able to power down enough or unwind enough, you know, like the, the, the image of like um, a, uh, a, a, a ball of yarn unwound, it takes a really long time to wind that back up, right, nice and tight where it's not a mess. Um, so there's no guarantee that we can do that uh, when we're in a time of high distress, when we are unwound. We might be really agitated or panicked. Maybe if some of us have uh, experiences of panic or anxiety, or if that's a part of uh, maybe in, in, in the level, to the level of diagnosis for us, this is not really something that we can do in reaction. This is something that we have to cultivate outside of those moments of distress. Um, otherwise, it's probably just gonna feel like another demand because you're gonna try it and it's not gonna go well because it's a really hard to, un to like rewind up the ball of yarn and then you're gonna be like inoculated from it. It's like, oh, see, it doesn't even work. Or you're going to internalize that and you'll be like, shoot, I'm so bad at this. And then you're, you know, you're, you're stuck, you're judging yourself, not welcoming your feelings, just like we were talking about. Does that make sense? It's not necessarily what I suggested before is the best option. Don't do it after you've spun your wheels. We wanna to try to cultivate this as a practice outside so that when we are in a situation where we're of high distress, that's when we feel the benefit of this, okay? The goal here is regular practice, building it into our schedule. Um, what I'm gonna do is um, uh, I'm gonna give some maybe examples here of ways to get going with this uh, for striving for a regular practice um, at increments that feel right to you. So if you would describe yourself as more of a beginner to prayer or you haven't prayed in a long time, maybe you're coming back to this, but uh, you had it in the past, but it, or maybe, maybe like a, a way of prayer has died for you and so you're coming back to prayer for the first time in a while and you wanna kinda start from scratch and pretend you know nothing, um, five minutes is what I would recommend. Set a timer for five minutes when you try to get behind the waterfall. That will actually seem like a surprisingly long time and it will be awesome for you. I can promise that. If you would describe yourself as having some prayer experience, yeah, this is the, I'm not necessarily totally new to this. Um, I would say start out by trying 10 minutes as a timer. If you are ready for a challenge, I would say 15 minutes. And if you are somebody who would describe yourself, I, I, am, I have lots of confidence in prayer. Go for the Trappist monk's holy time of 20 minutes. And then if you can do it in the morning and in the evening, then please come talk to me so you can preach on Sunday here at Brownline Church. All right, uh, quickly, let's, um, let me just uh, review the steps, too, as we talked about that. So that's kind of like where, where maybe we're thinking about where you might uh, jump in. But again, if we're thinking about um, what this looks like, we're finding a quiet space, and we're setting a timer for whatever increment works right for us. We're imagining ourselves behind that waterfall, no longer underneath it, because that's where most of life is. We're imagining God the most non-judgmental loving force in all of life is right next to us. We can imagine God as Jesus, as like this, you know, like if it feels good to have a personal presence next to you. You can imagine God as spirit there with you, hovering, get, keeping you sort of enveloped. You can feel it even though you can't see it. Either one of those work great. And then we're following our breath in and out, in and out, and inevitably, you are not, you're not doing it wrong if you start to feel distracted, you're doing it right if you start to feel distracted. That's okay, you're welcoming the distractions, you're not judging them. Hi, how's it going, distracted by noise? So glad you're here, welcome. Take a seat, distracted by noises. 
I'm, I'm, you're, you're welcome here too. I'm, it's okay. You know, so you, you almost talk to them, right? You can be silly about it. Smiling during contemplative prayer, awesome. Laughing during contemplative prayer, awesome. Just welcome the things that distract you. Don't judge them. And then gently return yourself to your breath as you, at once you've welcomed the distraction. Gently return yourself to breath. What I think we will find is that we are not endlessly spinning our wheels. We are not just like exhausted by the pace and the, the acceleration of life. We find that we are able to step back, slow down, and feel wisdom emerge more. That is the amazing benefit of this type of practice. All right. Um, I would love to give us a try at five minutes. Could we try that right now? Do five minutes of getting behind the waterfall? Yeah? I'm going to get out my phone and get the timer here. Now, multiple times as we do this, we're going to feel distracted. We're going to, be, we're going to feel distracted by, you know, our, our to-do lists for the rest of today. We're going to feel distracted because my kids are in the back and I love them so much, you know, but they're going to, you know, like they're not, she's not going to participate, right? Like, that's okay, right? What are we going to do when distractions come? Thank you. That's very enthusiastic. What are we going to do when distractions come? We're going to welcome them, yes, and not judge them, right? Oh, so grateful for that distraction. It's all good. Everything, I'm not bad at this. Okay, I'm going to set a timer, and we're going to get behind the waterfall with God, okay? God, help us into this space. Help us to slow down. Help us to experience life behind the waterfall rather than underneath it.
And let me just gently pray as we're doing this. I don't mean to interrupt. We're going to stay quiet and following our breath for a bit longer, welcoming the distractions, not judging them. We're only at halfway. Five minutes is a long time, right? That's good. Stay with it. God is not judging us. God is not scandalized by our humanity, by our distractibility. Okay, it's five minutes. Ooh, when's the last time you were quiet for that long? Long time, Avery? Yeah, ever? Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe, right? We don't get much practice with that. And so Jesus retreated to deserted places and prayed. The crowds gathered to follow him. And so Jesus, from time to time, stepped away and prayed. And that is what we're doing. We, I mean, we are around crowds and noise and messages and ideas and people and things and responsibilities and demands and social media and advertisements. And oh my gosh, we are around things all the time. And so from time to time, it does us well to retreat. And I got, I got to be honest, like, if you did not experience immediate gratification there for taking five minutes to be quiet, that's okay, right? Because this is not something that necessarily pays dividends immediately. But if we can brush our teeth this way regularly, boy, I just feel like in, the, in just the, the constant din of modern life, Wisdom can emerge outside of you. You don't have to spin your wheels. You don't have to manufacture smart, clever, excellent ideas yourself, you can start to realize that wisdom will emerge outside of you. And you can just observe. That, 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 that's an amazing feeling when it feels like, oh, God is there helping me discover wisdom. I am not here alone trying to do it myself. Amen?